listening to the Everyday Herbals Podcast, Episode 7. Welcome back for another episode. Today I'm excited to introduce you to a friend of mine, Mary Alice Quinn. Mary Alice is a certified Ayurvedic practitioner and a senior instructor for the California College of Ayurveda. I actually met Mary Alice at the International Integrative Educational Institute where she was one of my instructors for the professional herb course. And one day I had the opportunity to speak with her outside of class and she shared with me a ton of great information, but the thing that stuck with me the most was that the key to health is digestion. And I knew I had to have her on the show to share this incredible information with you guys. So I hope you'll join me for today's show as we discuss what causes leaky gut and the steps you can take to heal yourself from everything from food allergies to autoimmune disease simply by improving your digestive health. Hi, Mary Alice. Welcome to the show. Um, first of all, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became an herbalist? Yeah. Uh, hi, Gina. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so, you know, my primary training is in Ayurveda. So that's definitely the, the focus um, in my uh, herbal approach uh, with my clients. Um, so I guess it really has to do with how I got into to Ayurveda, which you know, I think like most people, I can just kind of sum it up as I had no idea um, what I wanted to do with myself. But, you know, something in me said that I wanted to help people. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't really know what that was going to look like until I actually um, found Ayurveda. And all of these kind of obscure ideas I had in my head about, you know, kind of amalgamating um, a way of helping people naturally um, was really already laid out and finally articulated um, in the science of Ayurveda. So I was uh, totally drawn to it, and I just completely dedicated, you know, all of my time and study into it. It's, you know, I've had many jobs, but it's the only career that I've ever had. Um, and of course, as you get into Ayurveda, you see that there are so many um, avenues that you can go down. And um, so I primarily work with uh, internal medicine and dealing with diet and, of course, lifestyle because it's such a huge factor um, in our health. And, um, of course, using herbs primarily as um, my healing tools. So um, that's that's been pretty much how I got into herbalism. Today we're going to be talking about the link between digestion and health. Can you tell us why healthy digestion is so important? Mm, yeah. This too, this is just so well articulated um, in Ayurveda. Um, and for any of your listeners um, that you know haven't been exposed to Ayurveda yet, you know it's a it's a traditional system of medicine. It has its origin um, in uh, India, but it's applicable you know even today. And so you know what we're going to touch on are um, some basic concepts that we can connect to to really start to um, understand why uh, digestion is so important. And so you know, Gina you really hit it on the head. The key word here is, is digestion, right? We all know that healthy food is important, right? Of course, to our overall health. But, but digestion, we often don't give enough focus, right? Digestion is actually the real key to, to wellness and longevity. Um, and of course, digestion is basically how, how well we digest our food, right? So we spend a lot of time trying to figure out what to eat, uh, but we just don't give a lot of attention to how we eat, 
right? Which is kind of another interesting thing that we see. Digestion itself is important, but actually how we consume our food is, is equally important, right? So what we eat is no doubt very important. And we'll talk about, you know, um, a lot of details um, today. But how we eat is actually going to determine how we digest, right? Um, digestion, if we kind of break it down, it's the process of uh, breaking down our complex chains of molecules into smaller components, right, so that we can easily absorb and utilize them. Um, but interestingly enough, you know, digestion is largely a function of the nervous system, right? And so digestion is controlled by the nervous system. So, you know, our process of breaking food down is either enhanced or inhibited by our state of mind. Um, and of course, our stress levels, especially when we eat. Right. So, for example, when we eat, if we're stressed out, if we're anxious, we're under pressure and, um, you know, we're eating, we're in a sympathetic nervous system stimulation. Right. That's like the fight or flight response. Um, and what happens in our body is we, you know, our heart rate in increases. We start to pump out a bunch of, um, you know, uh, adrenaline, which is, you know, epinephrine and norepinephrine. Basically, we're we're in a heightened state of awareness, right? Which is good if we're really, you know, under some kind of uh, threat. But what happens to digestion is this actually causes blood to be shunted away from the digestive tract. Um, it even actually starts to slow down the, uh, the secretion of our digestive enzymes. It slows down the motility of the intestines. So this is not a great state to be ingesting and digesting food, right? So, so back to your question, uh, you know, why digestion is so important, this whole process, which, you know, we can see is highly influenced by our emotional state is going to determine how well you process your food into nutrients for the body to use, right? It's going to determine how well each of the seven layers of tissue in your body are going to be nourished. And it's going to determine how much or, or even how little toxicity you create in this process of digestion, which is going to in turn dictate how much toxicity your liver is going to have to process, right? Um, it's even going to influence your blood sugar levels and therefore your mood and your energy. Um, and we can even trace it back to immunity, right? It has an effect on your immunity or how, re how resistant to disease you are and, and you will be. Um, in Ayurveda, this traditional form of medicine that ultimately teaches us how to heal ourselves, um, it describes a, a subtle form of our immunity that's built from the healthy formation of all seven layers of, of body tissue. So in other words, if, if you have strong, balanced digestion and you have quality raw materials coming in through your diet, you're not only going to build quality tissues, right? Things like healthy skin and complexion and hair and strong bones and, you know, blood and organs and nerve tissue, but you're actually forming the foundation for your body's ability to fight infection and to withstand stress um, and even to remain, you know, emotionally content, right? So digestion ultimately determines the health of the entire being. Um, in fact, in Ayurveda, we say that it's the, the root of all health or disease in the body. Yeah. Digestion, <laughs> digestion is important. <laughs> So I've heard a lot about leaky gut recently. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about how Ayurveda addresses that? Mm, yeah, absolutely. 
So, you know, first off, if we look at, um, we kind of have to take it back to digestion and we have to take, we first have to look at the, the, the relationship between digestion and the disease process as a whole. And I think, you know, before we get into the nitty gritty of looking at how we would address leaky gut, we should really kind of look at this connection, right? Looking at digestion and disease, Um, because this is a really interesting concept in Ayurveda. Uh, you know, we've got three basic energies that are going to govern every aspect of our physiology, right? And so, Gina, you've been um, introduced to these concepts, you know, this this um, force that we call vata, right, is the force of movement. Yeah, I actually, um, on last week's podcast, we, I kind of touched on the three doshas. So my listeners hopefully should be familiar with those. I love it. That's beautiful. We've got force of movement. We have the force of transformation, right? That's pitta. We've got the force of protection, that's kappa. And when our digestion is working properly, it's actually the perfect balance of these three forces and you know our overall digestive strength. That's what we call agni, right? That means fire. So vata, this force of movement that you guys have been talking about, controls all of the processes that involve motion. If we specifically look at the digestive, uh, digestive process, you know, chewing your food, the muscular contractions of the stomach, that's mixing and churning your food, the rate of absorption, peristalsis of the intestines, um, and even how efficiently you eliminate waste product, right? So that's all Vata's uh, contribution to digestion. And Pitta, on the other hand, is, you know, the force of transformation. So it governs our digestion and our metabolism. So the quantity of the digestive enzymes and the acids that we're secreting, Uh, breaking those chemical bonds and allowing for proper absorption of our food and nutrients, Um, even the rate at which our cells work, right? And then finally, kappa, the force of protection and lubrication is going to be responsible for our mucus secretions that protect the stomach lining and lubricate the mucous membranes of the entire digestive tract. And, you know, the fluids that carry our digestive enzymes uh, and even governing the health of the lymphatic tissue that's, that's in and around the gut, right? So an imbalance in any one or combination of these three forces can start to set the stage for diseases to manifest in the gut, right? Or really anywhere in the body for that matter. So if we have excess vata, for example, our digestion can become erratic, right? It's erratic, it's inconsistent, it's irregular. Our digestive systems become dry, inefficient. You know, our overall digestive capacities weaken And we don't fully break down our food into their individual building blocks. We can get gassy and bloated and constipated. We might suffer from abdominal pain, right? When we don't fully digest or transform our food, it can remain in the digestive tract for longer periods of time than normal. And then it's going to putrefy. It'll start to ferment there. And so this residual undigested food becomes sticky and sludge-like. It's toxic. Right. And then unfavorable, uh, unfavorable bacteria, you know, they have a field day. They're going to feast on this. And that makes them stronger and more capable of reproducing. Right. This toxic substance is really well described in ancient texts. I mean, it's called ama. And this is the general name for accumulated waste in the body. And it often gets concentrated in, in the digestive system. But unfortunately, it also gets absorbed through the gut wall and enters into circulation. Is this the same concept as a biofilm? You know, I, I'm sure it's it's very similar. And it's interesting because, you know, a lot of the concepts that we have now in, um, you know, conventional time and medicine 
um, are, are, are different. But one of the things that I love to see are the parallels, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, uh, do, you, do you have like what's a description of, of biofilm? Well, from what I understand, it's just like toxins and bacteria that kind of putrefy and make a layer of kind of sludge in the intestinal tract. It sounds like what you're describing. Yep, exactly. I love it. You know, and this is the thing, like, you know, for me, it's not about like, okay, you know, we have to be so true to Ayurveda and, you know, only call it what what it was thousands of years ago. I like conventional terms because I think they resonate with people, right? So the so the new the new um, name is is biofilm, right? And so this, you know, the, so you've got this, this ama formation and an imbalance in the doshas that's basically going to set the stage for for disease in the body, and it starts. Uh, it all starts in the digestive tract, right? <laughs> so, so, so that's where we're going, right? We we have this link between you know faulty digestion and already the formation of this biofilm, this toxicity, along with now we're starting to create an imbalance in the intestinal flora, right? That's what we're saying is is you know going to set the stage for for leaky gut even before we get into looking at you know, what foods are going to start to, to break down that lining, what, you know, whatever else is, this is where, where it all starts. So should we talk about actually what leaky gut is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So we want to like really kind of understand what's going on here because yeah, this is a really popular term. And, you know, interestingly enough, this, this is finally becoming in vogue and, you know, this has been, you know, not only well described, um, in these traditional forms of medicine, but even, you know, in, in, um, you know, conventional medicine, this has been understood, but for some reason, it's kind of been dismissed. And so, you know, we're now finally trying to uh, embrace this concept, right? But essentially, if we look at leaky gut, it's intestinal hyperpermeability, right? Hyper meaning excessive, so an excessive degree of permeability in the gut wall. So normally, the lining of the intestines have a pretty limited degree of permeability, Right. When they're healthy, the gut wall has some microscopic holes. They're going to allow our fully digested nutrients to pass into the bloodstream. Right. This is when when everything's working well. And, you know, equally important, the healthy lining acts like a barrier preventing any larger molecules from entering the blood. Right. These larger molecules that that can damage the body, those are going to be kept out. Right. So when someone has leaky gut, their intestines have been damaged. Um, and those, we'll call them holes or those pores, they, they can become larger. And so now things that normally wouldn't be able to pass into the blood can, right? Things like proteins, um, especially, you know, that haven't been fully broken down to their individual amino acids, right? Bacteria can enter, um, um, or this toxicity that we're talking about, right? That can start to enter into the blood. And so that's essentially what leaky gut is. We have a damage in the intestinal lining, um, and remember, what is going to make a healthy gut is, of course, the proper formation of our tissues. And what makes healthy tissue formation is going to be dependent upon how well we digest. And how well we digest is determined by what we're eating and how we're eating it. So that's essentially what leaky gut is. And what causes the intestinal lining to become permeable? Mm, yeah, that's a really good thing to start to look at, right? Because the first thing we have to look at is how well we're supporting our body's ability to digest. This is actually going to tie into how the intestinal lining actually becomes permeable, 
right? So this is like what we were talking about earlier. We're, we're constantly eating on the go. We've got irregular timing. We're eating when we're working. We're stressed out. Or for a lot of people, we're skipping meals altogether. This is going to start to weaken the body's ability to digest, right? And that's already going to create an imbalance in our, our agony, our, our di digestive fire. When our digestive fires weaken, we're going to start to create more ama, right? Our toxicity in the gut from these undigested food particles is going to increase, right? But then we also, we're talking about the, these three basic forces or the doshas, right? Those are going to start to increase. And so, you know, vata will start to increase from irregular routines and anxiety. That's going to create more dryness and, and inefficiency in our digestive process. Pitta is going to increase from, you know, skipping meals or eating while we're working or if we're eating when we're, you know, feeling intense or irritable, that's going to create more acidity and, and can create more inflammation in the gut. Um, and kappa, that's going to increase from eating too much or too often or being too sedentary, right? And that's going to cause excess mucus secretions and sluggishness in our digestive system. So an, an imbalance in our agni and our doshas really sets the stage for the damage to the gut wall that we see in, in leaky gut, right? So the very first thing that we have to look at is actually how we're treating our, our digestion, which, you know, is ultimately going to be a question of how we're treating ourselves, right? So the, the next thing we really have to look at uh, is what we're eating, right? So the most common issues I see in my practice is, you know, we're typically eating a pretty limited diet, right? There's not a lot of variation. And, you know, for, for a lot of us, there's no consideration of what our needs are based on the season that we're in, right? Which creates an overexposure to foods that were never meant to be consumed, you know, 12 months out of the year, right? And it also starts to limit the, the diversity of our microbiome, right? So these are two really important aspects of eating, you know, a diet that's, um, uh, let's say, uh, limited, right? Would you agree with most people, like, we've got a diet that's primarily made up of one grain, right? We've got wheat, <laughs> we have wheat in all of its fantastic forms. And corn. Pasta. Yep, absolutely. We've got corn in there, plenty of corn, uh, plenty of dairy, right? So we've got milk and cream and cheese and yogurt. We've got plenty of animal protein, right? Mm -hmm. Meat and poultry and pork and some seafood. Lots and lots of sugar. Yeah. Lots, lots of sugar and starch. And then we'll have a few staple vegetables, right, that we go to. Maybe a little sprinkling of some food, uh, some uh, fruit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, there's a lot of problems with this, right? Um, you know, the first thing I already mentioned, which is that, you know, we're, we're going to limit the diversity of our microbiome. So that's, that's not good. Um, and then we have all the toxicity issue, issues, right? So we've got wheat that's hybridized and it's processed and makes it, you know, a, a substance that's, that's hard on the gut. It's hard to digest. It's lacking in the essential vitamins and, and minerals that we need. Uh, we see conventional dairy, right? What a nightmare that's become. It's produced with hormones and antibiotics. It's pasteurized. It's homogenized. Right, we destroy all the vital enzymes and nutrients. We have animals that are, are raised for consumption and they're, they're fed unnatural diets, things that they don't normally digest in nature, like corn and soy. They're given antibiotics and hormones. Uh, we've got sugar in everything. And, right, it's become like the socially acceptable addiction. Um, and, you know, it wrecks havoc on our gut. It wrecks havoc. We see the effects of it on our cardiovascular system. Right. That's that's basically what diabetes is. High blood sugar destroying the cardiovascular system. 
Um, it wreaks havoc on the nervous system, our emotional state, right? And then even our fruits and vegetables, they're, they're showered with pesticides, all right? Or they're, or they're genetically modified to be resistant to bugs, right? But this also damages our body, right? So, so really the, the, the second answer to what causes our intestinal lining to become permeable, it really is poor diet, right? We really have to look at that. Um, so if, we, if we're gonna break it down, the most common causes of intestinal damage from our diet uh, are primarily coming from uh, unsprouted grains, right? So that's, that's really problematic. Um, sugar consumption, um, GMOs, right? So genetically modified organisms. Um, and conventional dairy, right? So those are the ones. And so therefore, interestingly enough, we start to see that people with food sensitivities or allergies, they develop them to like one or a combination of like seven foods. It's gluten, it's dairy, it's corn, soy, peanuts, eggs, and we're going to throw sugar in there, not because people develop an allergy to it, right? We, we develop allergies to proteins and sugar uh, is a carbohydrate, but we put it in there because it's it's inflammatory, right? It, it creates a lot of issues in the gut. So, um, and we could break these down, right? Unsprouted grains like wheat, um, in addition to, to carbohydrates, which, you know, that's, that's fine. We need carbohydrates to run on. Um, they also provide a generous serving of anti-nutrients, right? What are called nutrient blockers, things like phytates and lectins that can damage the gut lining, right? And rob us of a lot of uh, the nutrients in our food. Sugar, we know is acidifying, right? That creates inflammation in the gut and in the bloodstream. It also is going to feed the, the growth of yeast, right? Like candida, bad bacteria. And, and we know that candida and those bad bacteria, they both directly damage the gut and they create endotoxins. And endotoxins damage healthy cells right? Uh, we've got these, these genetically modified and hybridized foods, um, you know, because they've been altered to fight off insects, uh, they tend to be among the foods that are highest in, in these lectins or these anti-nutrients, which actually damage certain cells in the gut that help us to break down food, right? And then, of course, conventional cow's milk, the way it's produced, it's, it's pro-inflammatory, um, and it contains proteins that a lot of people are just genetically sensitive to, right? So, so you know, that's a lot of the toxicity that's coming into to our gut. It's no wonder, right, that, that you know, our gut is, is overwhelmed by all this, right? But, you know, it goes beyond that. If we look at the tox, it, you know, we, besides the toxicity in our diet, we've got toxicity from other sources that can affect the, the health and, and therefore the permeability of the gut, right? That's what we're talking about. And uh, the worst offenders when it comes to leaky gut are also, we have to look at antibiotics, right? Um, we have to look at the pesticides that we're consuming um, and also, you know, tap water uh, and even aspirin, right? We think that these are really benign things, but ultimately they're, they're things that we have to look at when it comes to, to leaky gut. So um, uh, antibiotics, right? We can just look at that. They, they wipe out the intestinal flora and, and they're really gonna leave yeast like candida alone. They don't touch yeast, they're antibiotics, so antibacterials, right? And then those candida, that yeast is gonna proliferate and it can burrow down into the gut wall and that can increase the permeability. Um, we see a lot of chemicals in our tap water um, and they, um, 
uh, they these chemicals will directly damage the tissues, right? We've got uh, a well-known side effect of aspirin is gastrointestinal inflammation, it's ulceration, it's bleeding, right? So those are some other toxicity issues that we have to look at. Um, and then, you know, finally, I think the last thing that we should really consider um, is closely related to what we're we're talking about, especially along the lines of antibiotics, um, this other really important cause of leaky gut, which is a condition or, or in some ways a concept that we call dysbiosis, right? And that's just the microbial imbalance. This is a, a disruption in the balance between the, the helpful and the harmful microbiome of the gut. So for some people, this might have its origin at birth. Um, we see, you know, uh, babies that were born from C-section. Uh, they were initially colonized by the hospital environment and the mother's skin, uh, as opposed to how we've kind of evolved throughout history. We've been colonized by our mother's, you know, vaginal canal, right? Um, uh, a lot of um, babies are uh, fed formulas, and that can already start to introduce substances that they wouldn't normally um, be introduced to, and that can cause some some significant um, sensitivity long run and, and you know, this dysbiosis. Uh, of course, we just see this epidemic of um, antibiotics being overprescribed, and that creates dysbiosis, as well as, um, you know, if we're not taking in probiotic-rich foods in the diet. Um, and then, you know, finally, tap water consumption, as I mentioned, having, you know, chlorine and fluoride in it, that can be uh, disruptive to our intestinal flora. And so, you know, we've got we've got some issues here with with our food, um, with things that we're exposed to, um, and then of course chronic stress. Right, this chronic chronic stress is implicated in in pretty much all diseases now. That's going to deplete our adrenals. It's going to weaken our immune system over time. Uh, it really just reduces our ability to fight off microbial invasion, um, which you know is going to lead to inflammation, and that will contribute to leaky gut. Right. Like if you get sick all the time, you're probably going to be taking more antibiotics and then that's going to start to influence the, the microbiome of the gut. Right. So I know that's a lot and it seems very doomsday-ish in a lot of ways, <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's how the, the, the intestines become permeable. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know how anyone <laughs> Does doesn't <it>. have it. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a lot of things in our culture cause yeah. it. You're you're absolutely right. I mean, that's the thing, and this is this is an epidemic. You know, this is this is why I think that finally we're starting to recognize it because we have people that just generally are not well, right? Um, you know, there's a whole host of symptoms that are associated with this, and um, you know, it's hard to kind of nail down because they can you know manifest in so many different ways, right? Um, but um, you know, when when the 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 intestinal lining um, becomes permeable, then you know that's going to have some destructive changes um, to the body. Um, so how does the body then react to the weakened digestion? Mm, yeah, yep. Well, you know the first thing that we're going to see is that digestive difficulty, right, is actually one of the earliest signs. And you know the challenging thing with this is ultimately that it may often be mild enough to go unnoticed, right? Uh, and, you know, we're a, a lot of times in our society, we're conditioned to think that digestive symptoms, like things like gas, bloating, um, you know, any heat in the digestive tract, feeling heavy, 
um, right? These are all normal, right? We're, we're really conditioned to think that they're normal. So we often don't address these symptoms until they get worse, right? Um, but, you know, when the gut gets inflamed, right? So that's one of the, the um, main things that we start to see with, with leaky gut is the inflammation. Um, interestingly enough, we start to see nutrient malabsorption, right? You would might think like, okay, we've got larger holes in the intestine. You know, why are we, you know, now why are we not absorbing nutrients? But you know, this is this goes back to Ayurvedic uh, understanding that the proper function of vata, that's the force of movement, um, which controls the absorption of nutrients, is it's inhibited, um, and so we have essential nutrients, things like magnesium and our iron. Uh, vitamin B12, those are not being absorbed properly, and that's going to lead to nutritional deficiencies, right? So the very, you know, we get digestive symptoms, we start to get malabsorption, um, and we have ama formation, and that's a contributing factor to inhibiting our um, nutrient absorption, right? So the food, it's not fully being broken down, right? We can agree that there's probably some imbalance in the agni or the digestive capacity. Um, and so then we have proteins, right, that, that would normally be too large to pass into the blood. They actually get into the bloodstream, right? And so this is going to set, it's, it's basically setting us up for food allergies, right? Because our immune systems are going to flag these. These are relatively benign substances. They're just proteins in our food, right? But they're not supposed to be in the bloodstream. You know, these whole proteins your body is constantly monitoring what's in the bloodstream. And if it sees something that's a protein, but it's not part of our building blocks or it's not part of our tissue, then it's going to flag that as a foreign invader. Um, and then it's going to start to produce antibodies uh, against them. Right? So the next time that we eat them, our body's going to attack. Right? And, and that can cause a variety of symptoms. We can see diarrhea, constipation, sinus congestion, you know, other people might experience the bloating and the gas uh, and systemic things like, you know, feeling fatigued all the time or brain fog. Uh, a lot of people suffer from migraines. Um, skin rashes are really um, dominant. Joint pain, weight gain, right? Even autoimmune disorders. Uh, hypothyroidism is, is linked to um, food allergies, right? Mm -hmm. So at the same time that we have food that's not being fully broken down, um, we've got these uh, these proteins entering the blood, and then we have ama or this toxic material, and we have chemicals from our foods all start to enter the blood, and they will start to also overburden the liver, right? That puts a lot of a lot of pressure on the liver. So you can see that you know it starts with um, inflammation in the gut. It 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 starts with a dysbiosis in the microbiome. Um, we get damage to the gut lining. Um, and then we have things passing into the blood that shouldn't be there, causing a whole host of systemic types of symptoms. And how would someone know if they have leaky gut? Mm. Yeah, that's that's a really good question because, you know, first off, I think that, you know, just as we're our own best healers, prior to that, uh, I truly believe that we're our own best detectives, Right. So one of the first things that we learn in Ayurveda is, you know, how to really understand our bodies and how to recognize when we're out of balance. Right. And, and Ayurveda, I'm sure you'd agree, Gina, has a pretty high standard of health. Yes. <laughs> so we digest efficiently without any digestive difficulty whatsoever. Right. We eliminate our waste effortlessly on a daily basis. We sleep soundly through the night. 
Uh, we've got steady, uh, if not abundant energy fueling us through the day. Um, and, and on top of that, we'll put that we have emotional equanimity, right? So we're, we're, we're balanced in, in every way, right? And anything less than that will start, you know, will at least des it deserves our investigation, right? We should at least start to become curious about what's going on. But, you know, more specifically, if any of the symptoms that, that you know, we've kind of mentioned resonate with you or with somebody, then, you know, that would be a good indicator, right? That, or at least would um, start to allow us to suspect leaky gut, especially if somebody's recognized that they have any food sensitivities or, or full-blown allergies, right? So that's, a, that's one of the, the cardinal signs. Um, uh, if, if people already know if they've been diagnosed with inflammatory bowel disease, or, um, if they've been diagnosed with autoimmune disease, like hypothyroidism, um, if they have inflammatory skin conditions, right? Like chronic acne or eczema or psoriasis, right? Those are all really good indicators. A lot of times they can be linked to this whole leaky gut situation. Um, some simple things, if, if uh, somebody notices they have teeth marks on the sides of, of their tongue, we call these scallops in Ayurveda. So you can literally just look at your tongue. You know, this is, this is not an end-all, you know, diagnostic tool for leaky gut. But at the same time, what this tells you is that there's malabsorption, right? This usually indicates some nutritional malabsorption. And so it's literally like if you have, um, if you look at this, the, the edge of your tongue and there are um, indentations, right? That would be a sign of malabsorption. Uh, even, you know, if people suffer from mood issues, especially if they're linked to the consumption of certain foods, then, you know, that's definitely something to, to look at, right? Now we do have, there's, there's blood tests for allergies, right? So people can do that. Um, there's, there is an intestinal permeability assessment, um, which people can do, and that's going to test their urine, uh, for the rate at which uh, their body excretes two sugars, right? Basically, they're going to give you these sugars and they're going to test your urine and it's going to measure the ability of the sugar molecules to permeate the gut lining, right? So you can imagine that, you know, um, the higher concentration will mean that you have higher permeability, right? So so those are kind of some of the the, the cardinal signs of, of leaky gut. Now, how do we go about healing a leaky gut? Mm. Yeah, there's so many things, right? Like we've been talking about, like, can sort of feel overwhelming at first, right? We're like, oh my God, like everything's so toxic and <laughs> you know, <laughs> what do I do? But, you know, there there really is a lot that we can do. And, and this has been um, this has been really successful in, in holistic treatment. And this is probably why a lot of people are coming to, you know, forms of natural medicine to heal these issues because they've been really dissatisfied um, with, uh, with the results that they're getting, um, you know, in conventional medicine, especially cause it's, you know, it hasn't really been, been recognized for, for such a long time. So, you know, you know, my thing is always as we, as we investigate the cause, right. Therein lies the cure. Right. And so that's like, I don't know why we're missing this mark in, 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 in medicine. Like, you know, we're, we're so obsessed with the, the cure, but you know, we just have to look at the cause, Right. So, you know, one of the first things that I do with my clients is just, first off, we, we really have to start to clean up the diet, right? Um, because ultimately, as we were talking about, there, there can be a lot of problems with just diet alone that is um, putting a lot of pressure on the gut, right? The gut can, can really do a good job at maintaining only so much, 
at any one time. But if this stuff is, you know, coming in on a regular basis, just going to overwhelm the body's ability to digest and we create ama and you know then we start to create an imbalance in intestinal flora we get inflammation now we get holes in the gut right so we just clean the diet up and so you know if somebody has a a um a doshic imbalance that you know that's the first thing that we're going to start to reduce um but then we can start to transition to eating with the season right and that's going to reduce our overexposure to to foods um it's going to support a, a diverse microbiome Right. And it's also going to help to support the body to, to do what it's naturally trying to do. Right. Things like, you know, when we eat seasonally, we're going to build and protect the body in the fall and winter. And then we're going to naturally detox and become lighter in the, the spring and summer. Right. Through those those healing foods. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to people that, um, you know, definitely have, um, you know, food allergies or if they suspect that they do, right? Even just food intolerances, which is a little bit different. It's not a full immune response, but for some reason they, you know, if they're avoiding particular foods because it doesn't, you know, we'll say agree with them, then that's a, that's a, a good, um, cause to do kind of an elimination diet, right? Um, and we do that in the beginning just to start to nail down what are foods that are causing reactions in the body, um, but also to give the body a chance to rest from those foods, right? Like if we eliminate foods that are causing problem in the body, then we give the gut a chance to heal, right? As we minimize that inflammatory response, right? So, you know, ultimately it really is a case by case basis, but you know, I'm like most people, I, I want to be empowered to heal myself, Right. That's that was one of the main reasons why I, I came to this form of medicine. I don't necessarily want to be reliant on somebody else. Uh, you know, but the, the truth is that I, I always maintain that we're like the worst assessors of ourselves. Right. Um, so in the beginning, we can just benefit from, you know, working with a practitioner just to kind of get a custom tailored treatment that's going to be, you know, unique to our, our own needs. Right. And, and I definitely really want to, um, you know, empower my clients to take control of their health and teach them about their constitution and what aspects of their diet and their lifestyle are, are working for them and what are the things that need refinement. Right. So they can they can take that gift and, you know, they can take it into the rest of their life and then know how to make the adjustments um, according to anything that comes up. But w- with that said, if we were, you know, cleaning up the diet and we we're proving improving digestion, um, that's going to do a lot of the heavy lifting long term, right? So um, as we started this whole conversation with, you know, we got to look at how we're eating in addition to what, right? So how we're consuming our food, because our our lifestyle, um, just as much as our food can become our medicine, right? It, it can become our medicine just as effectively, if not more effectively than than it was our poison, Right. So um, how we can, you know, kind of we can look at this by first, like, you know, just um, eating our food really consciously, right? Like this has been on your radar, Gina, like this whole how of eating mm-hmm. that Gina talks about. Right, yeah. Yeah, right. This is like super important, right? Because as I mentioned earlier with the whole like stress response and its effect on digestion, that can really start to cause um, some significant uh, difficulties with our ability to fully break down and process our food, right? So um, we're looking at how we're eating and then we're um, supporting our digestion, right? Um, just some of the most common culinary spices can be some of our most powerful medicines, 
right? Two of my favorite um, herbs, turmeric and ginger root, right? Both roots. Um, they're just fantastic uh, for so many reasons. Um, they help, you know, improve digestion, of course, right? But they're also really powerful anti-inflammatories. Um, they've got good antimicrobial action, right? So you, you know, you eat these, uh, you know, this is food as medicine. You incorporate these into your cooking, into your, um, into your diet, and then you're already getting medicine into your, um, into your daily diet. Um, demulsins um, can be really helpful, right? So demulsins are um, a category of herbs that help to just basically soothe um, and um, hydrate the mucous membranes, right? So they promote healing of the mucous membranes, which are, are lining the gut, right? So one of my favorites for that is, is licorice root, right? I'm sure you've, you've heard so much about licorice root. Um, and it actually can be particularly beneficial in, in a case like this because it too is anti-inflammatory, right? So it supports the health of, of um, uh, it reduces inflammation, also um, supports the health of the adrenals um, and even the liver. I know we often don't think about licorice root um, uh, for the liver, but it's a fantastic, fantastic detoxifier and support for the liver. Um, and then some of the um, some of the usual suspects, things that you'll find over and over again um, that are really helpful, uh, bone broth, right? So bone broth is really effective for healing damaged cell walls. Um, it's got soothing gelatin in it. It's got amino acids. It has minerals. Um, so so I, I always have somebody incorporating, you know, a good quantity of um, hopefully homemade bone broth. There's, there are companies that make it. And so you can you can get it. But it, it's. Um, it, a lot of people think that it's a little time consuming, but ultimately find that it's a lot of time not ba spent babysitting, right? You can just kind of let it, you know, simmer and cook and forget about it for a long time and come back to it and you've got your own uh, bone broth. Uh, raw cultured dairy, um, fermented vegetables, right? Things like sauerkraut, kimchi, um, kvass, um, those are really, really good um, uh, probiotic um, foods, right? And, and for that matter, probiotic supplement. Um, and, and those are important because they're going to help to, to re-inoculate the gut, right? We got to get the healthy bacteria um, back in. We have to crowd out the bad. So all of those um, forms of food can be really, really helpful for that. Um, and then, uh, you know, interestingly enough, um, I know I, I just kind of mentioned it briefly, but the liver, right? And in most cases, the liver could really use some love and attention, right? It's kind of been um, beat up by all of the, the toxicity that, that it's been exposed to. So um, one of the most important long-term strategies for supporting the liver, um, interestingly enough, is actually to eat your last meal at least three hours before you go to bed, right? So your liver is not trying to, you know, go through the whole, you know, scenario of digestion and managing, you know, the, the um, nutrients and blood sugar that's coming in. But, you know, be through the, the first stage of digestion. Um, so eat three hours before you go to bed and get to bed no later than 10 o'clock at night on a regular basis, right? You know, once in a while, it's not going to make or break your health. It's not that big of a deal, but you really want to strive for for this, Right. Um, you know, this is, this is the, in Ayurveda, this is the time of the liver. This is going to allow your liver to actually process a lot of the, 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 um, toxicity that is, it's been exposed to throughout the day, right? Which is going to really help to kind of balance out your, your blood chemistry and, and not cause the liver to become overtaxed 
because you're awake and doing other things or especially eating. Right. Um, and it's also um, not going to have that um, that uh, other food coming in that it has to process. Um, so that's long-term care for the liver, right? Some super easy things that you can really kind of um, focus on. But if we were to look at liver herbs, uh, they're typically either supportive to the overall health of the liver um, or they're detoxifiers to the liver. And, and both of these categories can be actually really helpful. So um, turmeric root, um, as I mentioned earlier, is uh, really fantastic for this. Um, if we're looking at some uh, herbs that may be um, readily available, we might underestimate things like dandelion root, but dandelion is so fantastic um, for, for liver health. Um, and uh, in Ayurvedic medicine, uh, one of my favorite herbs is bumiamalaki, um, not only because it's really fun to say, right? bumiamalaki, um, but uh, I love this one because it, it can be used for long-term liver support. Um, because it has a, a more mild action than most liver herbs, right? You know, one of the issues that we see with kind of using liver herbs is that our livers are so, you know, burdened, they're so toxic that they can start to create what's called, you know, um, detox reactions, right? Where people take them and they, you know, get nauseous or they get headaches, they start to break out, right? They just, they feel worse and they're like, hey, this is not cool, um, but you know, this is why I love bumiyal malaki because it's this nice kind of gentle herb that's really effective, but you know, you can use it ongoing. Um, and it's not going to uh, oftentimes create that kind of a reaction. Um, in, uh, uh, in Ayurveda, we call it tridoshic, meaning that it's good for balancing out all the doshas, right? So, uh, so long-term, I think that would be the only other thing that we haven't really, um, addressed Right. There's some like things that we could do with our diet and some, um, you know, herbs and ways of incorporating, um, um, you know, protocol for healing the, the gut. But long term, we have to look at the health of the immune system. Right. That has to be strengthened. Right? Oftentimes this is interesting because like with allergies, if you think about it, you're like, oh, the immune system's like, you know, overreactive. Right. So it must be like the, the immune system's on overdrive. But, you know, oftentimes this is coming from a place of, of actual depletion, right? The, the immune system is actually exhausted, right? And that's why it's overreactive, right? Like, you know, uh, we've all kind of felt like when you're run down, right? Like you, you don't have, you know, that, that balance and that patience that you might normally have when you feel really rested and nourished. And that's the same thing that the immune system feels, Right. And so um, in order to uh, address the the weakness in the immune system, um, the, the best herbal categories are um, adaptogenic herbs. Right. So these are kind of tonic, nourishing. They're food like herbs. They improve stamina. Um, they actually help to to balance out the endocrine system. And of course, they're going to increase the overall strength of the immune system. Right. And so um, uh, ashwagandha is really uh, popular for this. Um, we mentioned licorice root again. Licorice root um, is uh, um, is good for this as as well. Um, Eleuthero. Those are some of my some of my favorites. Ashwagandha, licorice, and Eleuthero. Yeah, Siberian ginseng. That sounds great. Um, okay, so how can people find out more about you and the classes that you're teaching? So um, I have a, an ancient um, uh, website. Um, it is my name, uh, maryalicequinn.com. 
Um, and so you can just find, you know, just some, some basic information of how to contact me there. You click on process and it'll give you my um, email and, and telephone number. Um, and it's really simple. It's M-A-R-Y-A-L-I-C-E-Q-U-I-N-N um, dot com. Uh, I teach for the California College of Ayurveda. So that was um, the foundation of my Ayurvedic training. Um, and then I branched off and, and studied with uh, many amazing teachers. But um, I, um, uh, I teach for the California College and I did that. Uh, I am, uh, I've been there for about eight years now. And I teach the distance learning program and the year two uh, class for the students who are gearing up to actually go into practice. Um, and then IIEI, KP Kalsa's um, amazing programs, um, International Integrative Educational Institute. Um, so you might be able to find me um, in any of those forms. Uh, I do um, periodi periodically do um, workshops uh, to the public, but probably the best way to contact me would just, you know, send me an email or, or, or call me up. Yeah. Awesome. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity, Gina. All right, guys, thanks for joining me for another episode. And don't forget to check out my website for today's show links. And I also want to remind you that we're drawing our final winner of the podcast launch giveaway in two weeks. The final prize is a Mountain Rose Herbs gift certificate. So if you haven't entered already, now's the time. Go to my website, everydayherbals.com, and enter to win. I'll see you guys next week.